Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to another episode of So Married a Horror Fan. I am Simon. I'm Lee. This is episode 137. Uh, it is the last episode for July, which I know you're excited about. Yes. Because uh, we are seeing the month of July out with a film that Lee's very excited to talk about. I wish you guys could see the look on her face right now. There are I only... am very excited. This is the most excited I have ever been to discuss a film. <laughs> was that believable <laughs> can you all hear my enthusiasm <laughs> we're going to talk about malignant too <laughs> electric boogaloo <laughs> too maliggy too furious <laughs> <laughs> too maliggy too furious. <laughs> shouldn't it be too maliggy too tumorous <laughs> 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 oh, no, I'm glad we have used Mate, we are a minute in and I'm already making tumour jokes. Um, mate, you know you know what I was saying the other day? I'm actually really gutted that we're recording this. So we're recording this on the Saturday night, which is the 29th, uh, to go out on the 31st. I'm really gutted that we're not recording this on our normal day because the Saw X trailer is dropping probably like as we're recording this. Yeah. And I won't have a chance to react to it on the episode. Oh, <coughs> no. But since I mentioned Fast and Furious... And a James Wan film. You know how I always say that the Fast and Furious and like the Saw franchise, like Saw is the Fast and Furious of the horror franchises. Yes. Like, what would the Saw movies be called? Like, if they had Fast and Furious names, so it'd obviously be Saw. Saw. Um. Two Saw, Two Blades. Two Saw, Two Blades. Saw, Jigsaw Drift. <laughs> uh, no, 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 no. Saw, Jigsaw Grift. Oh. Uh. <laughs> I don't know. And then, four would have been yeah, because it, it four, five, and six all just have numbers. Yeah. And then seven is the final chapter, and then it's jigsaw, and then it's spiral, and then well, it's well, I'm thinking X. of Fast and Furious movies, babe. Yeah. So so four is just Fast and Furious. Yeah. So that'd have to be S W S dot A dot, dot W. w. Uh, fast five would be sort of just sort five. five. Fast six. Yeah. Furious 7? Yeah. Fast 8? Yeah, which is... In fate this... of the Furious. Or in this case, it's Jigsaw. So it would just be like the fate of Jigsaw. <laughs> fate of the Saw. Fate of the Saw. And then it's Fast 9, isn't Fast it? Fast 9. So oh, Saw it's the, 9. It's the Furious Saga, so it would have to be the Jigsaw Saga. Saw colon, 9. Saw 9. And then Saw 10. Yeah. Which is... <laughs> Saw X gonna give it to you. Saw X, which is what we're getting anyway. Because the fast, fast. It only works with the first three fast films. Yeah. After that, you're just like, oh, it's the same thing. Because Fast X is like technically the f- the whole title of it is the Furious Saga colon Fast X Part One, right? So it'd be the Jigsaw Saga Saw X Part One. Yeah. Or Piece One. Piece One. Yeah. <laughs> one Piece. <laughs> <laughs> Jigsaw's just mulling around, mulling around on a pirate boat with a puppet looking for treasure. Because One Piece is about a bunch of pirates looking for treasure, right? Yes. Uh, I... I don't. I've never watched One Piece. I can't. I can tell you nothing. If you want any anime facts, there's literally one anime show that I can talk about in depth, and that is it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, you've got no hope. I don't think you even know what that one anime show is, do you? Black Butler. No, I have seen High School Haran Host Club. That was close enough. Haran High School Host Club, yes. Death Note. 
I've, do you know what? I haven't ever watched the entirety of the Death Note anime. Mm. I've never finished it. See, I was having this conversation with our friend Pigeon Neck the other day when she was doing my Hellraiser tattoo about She's anime. a huge anime nerd. Dude, did you see the fucking Full Metal, Metal Alchemist thing? That she, is it a Full Metal Alchemist? No, what it's is the, not. What? It is. It's a Godzilla mixed with... Um, oh my god, what is it called? No, I'm pretty sure the thing, the, the big... Not the, the Godzilla one, not the Mech Godzilla, but the purple robot that she's got is from Full Metal Alchemist. No, it's not. It's a, It's another... Oh. Um, I can't think what the anime is it's crossed with. Oh, it's 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 one that's got robots in it. Cause that's yes. why I think it's that's why I think it's Full Metal Alchemist. Because Full Metal, Alch- Full Metal Alchemist is one with the kids in like the Jaegers, isn't it? Is that what is that? No, they have they have like a it's like one dude I think, and he has, he like, has a like a, ro- a big robot buddy. Yeah, so, um, like, so it's like the Iron Giant. A little bit. What is that anime? It's like a uh, um. Is it Gundam? Oh, ne- is it Neon Genesis, Neon Genesis Evangelion? Evangelion yes. And then there is Gundam Wing as well, which the is the other one. The Mecha Godzilla she has. Really big side note. It's half Godzilla and half Gundam Godzilla, so it's in the colours. Because the uh, guy who did Shin Godzilla, no Mecha Godzilla, is the same mm-hmm. guy who did Gun- um, mm-hmm. not Gun- not Gundam, Even the one who said Evangelion. Evangelion. So when the, when they made the figure, they mashed the two things together. Is this and then the she figure that she's been waiting full, for like eighteen months? Yeah, for? and then she yeah. has a full uh, crossover Godzilla figure as well in her cabinet, mm-hmm. uh, which is behind her card Captain Sakura figure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of our friends is a really big, massive anime nerd. Yeah. She's got a um, card Captain Sakura tattoo as well. Mm. She also has a tattoo of Sean Bean on the back of her leg. She does. She has a pigeon on her neck. And a it's, wolf, the other side. It's not, it's not actually a pigeon. It's a peregrine falcon. Peregrine falcon, but it, it has become a standing joke at this point that it's a pigeon. Yeah, Pidgeotto. <laughs> she was telling me the last time I was in getting my own, and she was like, Yeah, some dude in Tesco who's asked me if that was a pigeon on my neck, and I just immediately thought of you. And that was like. Yeah, she told me that story actually. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, like I keep thinking about anime, because I keep thinking about like stuff that keeps coming to netflix like they just added like all of bleach to disney plus thing is is i feel like <coughs> some animes is quite a big undertaking like things like bleach yeah i think um, bleach every season of bleach is like 57 what's episodes. the other there's another one that went for like ever there's a uh, million dragon ball Z. yeah a million types of dragon ball i think gongnam as well mm. neon Genesis. there's uh, there's Tokyo Ghoul and then there's like a Tokyo Ghoul spin-off, I think. So as well. Tokyo Ghoul, though, I think only ran has only run thus far for like three seasons. Mm. It's not very long. Like, I've seen the first season. Because this Tokyo is the weird thing. That I'll, is very good. This is the weird thing I find with Japanese anime is that they'll go like, here's a season of a show, and each episode's like, each each episode of a show, it's like they throw a fucking dartboard, like a dart at a board, and they're like, well, this episode's going to be forty five minutes, and the next one's going to be twenty two minutes, and the next one's going to be seventeen minutes, and I'm like, I see. I normally watch most of the ones I watch are like actual set times. I think the problem I have with a lot of anime is that it aired when I was younger, mm. and if you watched over here, like Dragon Ball Z or anything like that, in Japan it this. aired in like an yeah, hour yeah, yeah, long yeah, yeah. chunk. Over here, it was like five fifteen minute episodes. Well, this is what with. Yeah, this is what used to piss me off, because Cartoon Network, when I was a kid, had the rights to fucking Dragon Ball Z. And you are right, they would literally chop an ap- an hour episode up into, like, 20-minute intervals and then show it as, like, an episode. 
And then it then but they, it'd stop like mid yeah, battle, yeah. And then, then there'd be an entire episode that two more episodes that adjust the battle, and you're like, then it'd be like the annoying guy would be like, find out next time on the next thrilling episode of, of Dragon, Dragon Ball, Ball Z. Z, and he would be like, he'd be like, Vegeta is climbing a hill, and then it'd be like, while Goku fights Piccolo in the sands of time for the Whisker of Destiny, who's gonna get there first? Find out next time on yeah, Dragon Ball. He's a watching anything like that over here. Like I got lucky. He's like, like I watched um like Sailor Moon and Card Captors and stuff like that. The girly ones, is mm. that I will, will refer to them for the time being. Um, but they were like they are literally like half an hour episodes. So I it played in full. So it was fine. <laughs> I watched like Digimon and Pokemon. There are literally the of Jackie Chan. Uh, there are literally two animes I've ever watched in my life. Uh, one of which I own on Blu-ray and one of which I don't, but I need to get a copy of it on Blu-ray. One of them is Akira. Yes. Because I think everybody at some point in their life should watch Akira. I have never seen Akira. Uh, I think I think it's one of those movies, like, it seems, it seems like hyperbolic now to talk about how influential it is. But, like, it's, it, like, Akira is so influential that fucking Jordan Peele put the fucking motorbike slide from it in the end of Nope, as a nod to it. Mm-hmm. And, like, they make a massive, like, reference to it in Ready Player One. Oh, yeah, like, I'm, I'm um, fully aware of how influential it was. They've been trying to make a live-action one. They like, should the never last... do that. They already fucked up Ghost Because the they wanted Taika Waititi to direct it at one point. They wanted uh, Jordan Peele to direct it at one point, And then somebody else is going to do it. I don't know why the fact they don't... Why the fuck would they just get a Japanese director to direct it, though? Like, there's plenty. They could do They could do an English-language film with a, a Japanese director. Like, it's yeah, fine. Yeah, I'm surprised that they didn't turn it into, like, a Japanese live-action film. Like they did, like a lot of like a lot of anime has like a live action counterpart. Oh, um, some great ones. And the only other anime other than that that I've actually sat and watched from start to finish is the Street Fighter Two movie, okay. uh, because I love Street Fighter. Uh, I think you'd quite like the actual um, animated Ghost of the Shell film. Yeah, because that Scarlett Johansson film was yeah. fucking garbage. Do you know what really annoys me about Scarlett Johansson film is it is fucking dreadful, but they do some really great shots that they've pulled straight from the anime film that are, like. Shot for shot, perfect. Yeah, I saw a lot of great reaction videos, like uh, trailer reactions when the trailer drops. Like the scene where Major jumps through the window mm-hmm. and she's like crashes a dinner party is like basically the same shot, as it shot, is yeah. in. Um, the guy with the grey hair and the little goggles looks exactly the same mm-hmm. as he does in the anime movie. I can't remember what his name is. Uh, it's gone now. But but yeah, yeah no, I'd like to. I'd love to watch that with you at some point because I'm really intrigued as to how um, you find it. I'm pretty sure the guy who made Ghost in the Shell. Don't don't quote me because they they're both dudes named Rupert and I'm not sure if it's the same guy because I always think that he's the guy that did Snow White and the Huntsman who fucked Kristen Stewart and I'm like it might be it might not be but I'm pretty sure the guy who made Ghost in the Shell is a dude who's just directed the new Crow movie. I don't know with uh, Bill. One Skarsgård. thing I will give uh, Ghost in the Shell the live action one is it was very well shot. The yeah. direction was fantastic. Yeah. I think it's just one of those things, like, you talk about, we we were talking the other day, I think it was yesterday we were talking about Japanese culture and we were saying about, like, how fucking mental it is that, like, bands like Deer and Grey and X Japan and stuff are allowed to create, like, this really grotesque art. I mean, I wouldn't say X Japan create grotesque art. Well, Gazette, I meant, is what I meant to say. And, like, you look at, like, uh, films that come from there, like, Takashi Miike movies, and you think about, like, all the Asian extreme films that came from there, like, the J-horror and stuff. And, like... 
you think about like all of the incredible like anime and stuff that comes from there and then like we were saying about like what a fucking like reserved country it is for a country that has like all of this incredible like cerebral forward thinking art and i think that's the problem is like Jap- japan has always been like light years ahead of the rest of the world mm-hmm. and i think trying to like westernize or like distill that that art into like another medium doesn't necessarily always work like the great thing about ghost in the shell is ghost in the shell is kind of like it exists on the same plane as like blade runner it's like looking at the same type of things that like william gibson and like um frank herbert and not frank herbert so much but william gibson and like isaac asimov and the fucking dude who wrote blade runner whose name escapes me right now philip k dick it's all these existential things of like what makes a human? Is it the soul? Is it the body? Like, you know, all yeah, this kind of stuff. And... Yeah, I have I have a lot of issues that go to the <coughs> Shell movie. I think one of the major issues people have is not an issue major that issue. I have. It's <laughs> <laughs> not an issue I have with it because I remember when it was coming out and everyone kind of hit the roof that um, Scarlett Johansson was going to be playing Major. Mm-hmm. Until the end of the film, I had very little issue with that because she's a shell. Yeah. So it didn't really matter. Mm-hmm. But uh, you're the end of the movie. Fucked my defense of that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it... I mean, they could have picked a better actress, I guess. But yeah, I mean, I would have just got Gemma Chan to do it. Thing is, though, is if you like, if you watch the anime, like she's she's very yeah. Much I've seen designed. what she looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She looks like her, she would be white, yeah. like IRL. If you look at the actual anime. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, that's partially uh, down to uh, beauty standards there as well. So, mm. and a lot of um, anime characters tend to look white for some reason. Yeah, mate, Japan's such a fucking bonkers country. It's a, it's a, yeah, I'd love to visit. It's the same as like it's the same as the reason why the Death Note movie doesn't work though. And like, I know you always want to blame Adam Wingard for this, but I don't necessarily think it's Adam Wingard's fault. I think they took they took the idea of what the who Def- wrote it. Him and Simon... I don't know if it was him and Simon Barrett, so I don't want to throw them under the bus because they had the usual writing partners. But I don't think he's to blame for the film being the way that it is. Um, but again, like that's another film that asks like a lot of big questions of its audience of like, you know, if you had the power to kill people, like what would you do? Okay, yeah, I'll stop holding it over Wingard's head as much. Apparently it was Jeremy Slater, Vlas Parlap. Andes and Charlie Parker. Parker Jeremy Andes. Slater. Why do I know that name? I think he worked on like Moon Knight, maybe. He did. And he's doing something else that's the, coming up. Uh, he did the Exorcist TV series as well. Yeah, he's doing something that's coming up. The Red and Insidious Tale. No, there's something that I saw his name attached to the other day, and I went fuck. Um, be- Godzilla versus Kong: The New Empire, Mortal Kombat Two. That's it, Mortal Kombat Two. I saw his fucking name attached to the Mortal Kombat movie, yeah, and that I made me go like shit. I have to step off Wingard a little bit because yeah, it's not really his. The movie his looks the movie, the movie looks great. I it does yeah. It's a but great. I, looking... I have issues with how they portrayed the characters in it. It all I'll say is it's a really good Final Destination movie. Oh Jesus! One of the dudes who wrote it wrote the Immortals. The fucking Henry Cavill movie. Yes. There's like basically like 300 for idiots. Yeah. In fact, two of the writers wrote The Immortals. Shit in heck. Yeah, the... I can't pronounce their surname. Parla Pandy's brothers mm. wrote Immortals, Blood of Zeus and Death Note. Fucking hell. Anyway, I feel like we've gone on a massive tangent before we've even got to today's film. 
was partially on purpose. But so today for our final, I feel like given what this movie's about and when it takes place, we should have covered this movie like earlier in the month. Mm. Uh, anyway, we are looking at I know what you did last summer. Not the song by Camille Cabello and Shawn Mendes. Not the book from the 70s. 1973. The uh, film from 1997. 1997. Let's go. So, I know what you did last summer. Do, do, do. Written summer. by Kevin Williamson. Based on a book by Louise Duncan. Lois. Lois, sorry. Directed by Jim Gillespie. Big Jim. Big Jim. Starring Jennifer Love Huge Tits as Julie James. I need to stop calling her that. Jennifer Love Hewitt. The fucking ghost whisperer. The ghost whisperer herself. Or also uh, star of Criminal Minds. Is she in Criminal Minds? Yeah, oh, she's in Criminal Minds. Is Wines. she in Criminal Minds? Yeah. Is she one of the ones that ends up with fucking... What's his face? No, she's one of the agents. Yeah, yeah, Doesn't... Oh, no. Who am I thinking of? I thought she was like the love interest of like the one that you like. Reed? Yeah. No, that's um, Parker from Leverage. And Aubrey Plaza. And Well, no, Aubrey Plaza's a, a, a serial killer. Who has sex with him or goes on a date with him? She goes on a date with him. It's a, it's a whole thing. She goes on two dates with him, technically, I guess. I now know why Shamar Moore likes Matt Rife, though, because he looks a lot like fucking... He looks like Matthew Greg <laughs> He's got nerdy white dude, nerdy white dude energy. I mean, fair. Uh, Sarah Michelle Geller, aka Buffy the Vampire Slayer, as Helen Trooper. Ryan Philippe, aka that dude from Cruel Intentions, as Barry Cox. The guy from the court case. Yeah. Freddie Prince Jr., aka Buffy's husband, as Ray Bronson. <laughs> Muse Watson as Benjamin Willis slash the Fisherman. Fuck me, I have just realised that's Mike Franks. Who? From NCIS. The guy who plays the fisherman is in NCIS. He plays Gibbs's like, original, like... Wait, how many fuckers from CSI are in this? No, not NCIS. NCIS one. Yeah, sorry. he plays, like, um, Gibbs's original boss. Is Gibbs like... the kicker? No, you're thinking of Criminal Minds. Yeah, yeah, Criminal Minds. Um, Mate, there's so many of these fucking procedural <laughs> shows. Bridget Wilson, Sam Prass as Elsa Shivers. Credited as Bridget, Bridget as Wilson, Wilson at the time. Yeah. Anna Hesch as Ms. Melissa Egan. Johnny Galecki as Max. And that's kind of it, yeah. really. No one else is massively... Well, I mean, uh, Russell Jahan plays Deb, who's the roommate. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's kind of it. Did you say no the guy who plays just... David Egan? Did you say the guy who plays David Egan? Mm... Oh, Jonathan Quint as David Egan. I mean, he only appears in, like, a scene and then photos. Some photos, yeah, yeah. So, not really important, but also, I guess, character-wise, maybe a little bit important. I'm just trying to figure out why I know uh, the name Anne Hesh. Anne Hesh. Anne Hesh was in the remake of Psycho, and she was also in Seven Days and Seven Nights with Harrison Ford. She also died fairly recently as well, R.O.P. Anne Hesh. Oh, I feel like I know her from something. Hmm. Because hmm. she played, um, yeah, she's most known for playing uh, Marion Crane in the remake of Psycho. That might be what I know her name from, to be honest. Because nothing else is jumping out at me. She's one of those actresses. She's in, like, lots of stuff, but she never really plays, like, lead roles in things. But she was a really good actress. And, like, it was either... 
I can't remember the exact timeline of when it was she died. I know she died recently. I think it was this year, but it may have also been the end of last year. It's within the last year she passed away. Because I remember, I remember seeing it all over the internet. Last year. August 2022. Fucking hell, has it nearly been a year? Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. Right. Uh, Money-wise, please money, hold, because I've just fucking gone too far. Jesus Christ, Lee can't be trusted today. Lee can't be trusted ever. <laughs> it was shot on a budget of $17 million estimated and gross worldwide it made 125586 thousand no 125 million 125 million 586,134 dollars and 52 cents and 52 cents uh plotline wise four young friends bound by a tragic accident are reunited when they find themselves being stalked by a huck wielding maniac in their small seaside town There we go. I don't want to know what you did last summer. So, I'd never seen this film. You obviously. Very little interest in watching <clears throat> this film. However, in watching this film, my brain was like, I know a massive chunk of the plot of this film because I have seen scary movies. <laughs> I've seen scary movies. That's, what, like three movies now that we've watched where you have scary movies as a point of reference? Because uh, Poltergeist. Yeah. Scream. And then this. And then this. Yeah. I guess like House on Haunted Hill as well. Yes. Because there is some like House on Haunted Hill type shenanigans going on as well in uh, the second The scary second movie. one? Yeah. yeah, the second one. Yeah. Take my, take my, take my good hair, Chad. <laughs> I don't know why the Mandala are effective. Like, take my strong hair. Yeah, he doesn't say that. He says, take my good hands, doesn't he? I don't know. Uh, anyway. So, what, uh, you, you were aware of this movie though, right? I was aware of it. Yeah, and you had no interest in seeing it because... Absolute zero interest. Because A, I'm not a big fan of 90s slashers. I think there's one great 90s slasher. Which is? Scream. Okay, good. Good answer. Correct answer. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, and I think everything else kind of pales in comparison to that once you've seen it. It all feels like a real... Like I know this came out before Scream, mm -hmm. but it feels like a rehash of Scream. I... Which I do feel like this was Kevin Williamson finding his feet in order to make Scream. Yeah. Um, but this does feel very much like Scream's tragic younger brother. I do I do wonder, though, if you agree with me that the only like the only one that's not a, a recognisable franchise IP, so it's not like they did a Candyman sequel that's like a 90s slasher, but like I think the only the only one that came out after Scream with an original premise that feels anywhere near as good as Scream is Urban Legend. No. Do you not? Do you not? Oh, well, I know we did an episode of Urban Legend. But, like, I think Urban Legend's the closest you get to a movie of, like, Scream's quality in the aftermath of Scream. Yeah, I guess so. Maybe. I still don't think it's a very good film, though. I feel like they all do pale in comparison. They all tried to... After Scream came out, they all tried to be Scream. Yeah. Whereas this is, I think, Kevin Williams very much trying to create Scream <coughs> in its early stages. This is what happened, and it is not great, Kev, babes. So, what did you have... Any expectations going into this? I mean, I went into it basically expecting to not like it very much. Were you right? 
I was very much right. I even lowered my expectations in hopes that it would make me like it more. Yeah. It did not. See, my main problem with this... Like, I have a couple of problems with this movie. And it's the same problems that I've had since I saw this movie as a kid. Mm. For one, it's very bloodless. Yes. For what is essentially a teen slasher movie, especially one that comes out the same year as Scream 2 and in the wake of the original Scream, mm. like, it's all like... Right, so this, this was written before Scream, but made after it, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So this came out in 97, Scream came out in 96. The only reason why this movie got greenlit is because the, the producers screen. went back to Kevin Williamson and went, have you got any other scripts? And he went, yes. So, and then he was like... I've got this. So my main problem is the same with this as it is with like Halloween H2O. Two movies that are like copying Scream, but have like a very low body count and like no gore. Like Halloween H2O is basically a bloodless movie and so is this. Mm -hmm. I think the only kill you see any actual blood in is Max's when he gets like hooked and then dragged across the yeah uh, thing. And then you see a blood splat when her sister gets killed, but you don't see him attack her sister, you see, like, the back of her head through the door. And that was one of my things as a kid. I was like, well, this is fucking boring. Like, and there's, like, long stretches of this movie where they don't kill people, mm -hmm. which I think is also... I Like, I get it. The movie is trying to be a mystery. It's trying to be, like, more of a thriller, but, like, set in the realms of a teen slasher movie. But the problem is, the mystery isn't that interesting. And, like... One of the things I wanted to ask you about, and we may as well just jump to that now, uh, and then we can get it out of the way, is what do you think of the, the way that the movie sets up, oh, we killed this person, but actually we didn't, and then we may have killed this other person. So what do you think of the whole bait and switch of the whole, it's David Egan, but it's not, it's this actually this other guy? I think the problem with it is it kind of comes a little bit too far out of left field. Yeah. Of, like, there's not any, like hints beforehand that it's not in fact David. Yeah. Up until it gets revealed that it's not him, you're not going like, hmm, that seems odd, like this seems unusual. Because you know nothing about the character who they killed. So there's nothing in that makes you go, well that seems odd for that character as a choice to like do this, this, this and this. So it just feels very left field of it like being, aha, no, David was in fact killed by Ben and Ben is actually the killer all along because... David killed Ben's sister in a drunk drive His daughter. accident. So, so basically, the movie sets up David at the beginning of the film sitting on the cliff. Mm -hmm. And then you see him in like his fisherman gear. So you think, oh, when they find the welly after they've killed the guy or hit the guy with the car, you think, you think it's him because you've seen him on the cliff above where they're driving. And then it's revealed later on that the reason why he's up there is because a year prior to that, he was in a car accident with Susie Willis, who was his fiance, and then he can't get over his grief of like killing her, so he's up there to kill himself. But then we find out later on that actually Susie's dad, Ben Willis, is the one who killed David Egan as retribution for killing accidentally killing his daughter, and he is the one that they actually hit with the car. But like the problem the, the problem the problem with it becomes like, there's so many problems with this. It's kind of like an Indiana Jones situation. You know how, like, they say, oh, Indiana Jones doesn't fucking, like, if he doesn't stop the Nazis, like, in... It, it ends the it same way. Yeah. Like, with this, the problem with this movie is 
you spend so much of the movie thinking, oh, fuck, these kids are little cunts because they killed this guy with a car. And you're supposed to, like, feel some sympathy for the fact that this guy potentially got killed. But it's then revealed that he's already killed someone. So they've potentially just taken a murderer off the streets. Yeah. <laughs> Which is like, you know, so it's like, yeah, like, and even if he did survive, he's back to murdering people. Yeah. So you... you you're not supposed. I I don't I don't know how you're supposed to feel sympathy for any party in this mm-hmm. because when it's revealed that they like you're supposed to be like oh no these kids did a terrible thing and now they're being hunted but then you're like yeah but in the long run they potentially took a murderer off the streets and then you're like well I can't feel sorry for you for losing your daughter because you've already killed an innocent guy who accidentally killed someone and now you're fucking like killing some kids that again like. Also, is this guy like a phantom highway patrolman? Like, what is he doing hanging out on this road all the time? Is he just like waiting for kids to fucking like drink and drive? Well, I assumed he was coming back from killing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, it just seems weird that he's like, well, my daughter died in a drink driving accident. So I killed the guy that killed her. And now I've also been killed by these other kids who were drinking and driving. And like, it's like, I was like, is my man just some like fucking green cross code man? Yes. He's just hanging out on the side of the road waiting for kids to like drink and drive. Yeah, he's like, pretty much. <laughs> you know, he's like a shit lollipop man. He's <laughs> just like, what the fuck? It's so random. Um, but yeah, like the revelation of who it is that they kill or don't kill is so out of left field like you say there's no clues leading up to it until like the last 30 minutes of the film and then it's revealed that he's a killer anyway so i find it very hard to sympathize with anybody in this movie yeah and this is again leads on to my other problem is the main characters in this movie now i know that we've covered unlikable ensembles before house of wax being one of them mm-hmm uh, and there's another there's another couple of movies where we've covered like slasher movies and they've had like really atrocious cast of like characters that you do not give a fuck about. But like I find it hard to give a fuck about anybody in this movie other than Helen. And I do not understand why Helen isn't the final girl. And I'm not just saying that because it's Sarah Michelle Gellar. But Julie James as a character is such a shit character yeah, the only character i feel any kind of sympathy for in this film is helen yeah like that's it because i'm like poor girl's family really don't give a shit about her whatsoever yeah and they make mention of her parents but you only ever see her dad like yeah. you never see her mum so i don't know what the fuck her mum does like i assumed the first time i saw this movie that her mum was dead like and that's why her dad's just like catatonic in front of the telly watching football yeah no but- like her parents don't give a shit about her. Her sister treats her like shit. Mate, her sister. She a was prick. supposed to get out of there, and like make a better life for herself. She had this whole plan. And I think what happened that one night, July fourth, uh, really fucked her up and kind of mm. ended up like basically sending her back. Julie's the only one who seems to have like a family who love her and yeah. like got out of there and is making a better life for herself and we're supposed to feel bad for Julie. Like, Fuck off. And like Ray's whole thing is like, oh guys, I'm not I'm not rich like you. I'm just gonna be like 
a poor fisherman who, you know, has hand-me-down clothes but has, like, a really hot girlfriend. Yeah, pretty much. And then, like, Ryan Felipe, Barry, is just playing proto-Sebastian Valmont in this movie. Like, this is his audition to play Sebastian in Cruel Intentions, like, two oh, years yeah. later. Oh, yeah. Ten out of ten. And he's a fucking knobhead as well. He is. I mean, he's very unlikable. I mean, to be fair, though, I will give Barry his due. In the second half of the movie, he's all right. Because he's he's there, he's he's trying to protect Helen, he's looking after Helen, he's on the float, he's like trying to protect her, he's trying to find out what's going on. It looks like maybe they're going to get back together, there's a lot of longing looks. He chases an old man down and like jumps an old man in the street, which is fucking hilarious. It is funny. He does like an old man withers like Scooby-Doo situation with a guy in a fucking trench coat, which is hilarious. Old man Um, withers. But you know what I mean though, like if this movie focused on him and her... As, yeah. like, the final character, like, couple. Oh, probably way more likeable, let's be yeah. honest. It would cause... be, like, a way more interesting film. Because, like, don't get me wrong, like, Jennifer Love Hewitt was a big thing at the time when this movie came out. But yeah. she's an atrocious actress. And, and she's not wrong. She's fucking atrocious in this movie as well. Like, she just... And, like... I know, I know. In scary movie, Anna Faris is parodying her and Neve Campbell, but like Anna Faris's like fucking parody of her in scary point. movie is fucking brilliant. It is great. It's so good. It is very good because I she's just like she's a, an absolute wet blanket, and there's like no agency to her character at all. No, like she's just she's just miserable and mopey and like. And for some reason hasn't been washing her hair. Yeah, she's just a greasy bitch. It's <laughs> so funny because like, I remember watching the film at the beginning and we say her hair's all full and lush. Then we had a clock, like, it skips year. She's in university and like her hair's all greasy. She's kind of stopped. She's obviously Yeah, like, she's like super washed out and, yeah. and stuff. And like throughout the film and at the end, when she's back at college at the end of the film, her hair's all luscious again. And I'm like, because she no longer has to feel guilty about killing a dude. Except she still killed a dude, babes. <laughs> She's, like, turned into, like, Alyssa Milano yeah. at the end. But, like, it's so funny because, yeah, like, we when you look at, like, Final Girls, there's something about Final Girls that the audience is meant to, like, resonate with. Like, you want this girl to survive. Like, you look at all the classic Final Girls throughout history. You look at, like, your Kirsty Cottons, your Sydney Prescott, your Laurie Strodes, etc. Like, you want these women to survive because they've got, like fucking shit boyfriends or shit home lives or like some fucking patriarchal force in their life is trying to hold them down and you just want them to go i've had enough of this shit and fuck just you. kick yeah. the fuck out of someone whereas like julie up until this point has nothing wrong with her life like do you know what do- though the, Joe, the reason this whole thing kicks off because julie has sex with freddie prince jr on that beach at the beginning of the film oh yeah while Sarah McLaughlin plays. While Sarah McLaughlin plays. I think plays. it's Sarah McLaughlin. It's someone of that ilk. And that, that is the one... It's not even the sex, it's the Sarah McLaughlin. In the heart <laughs> of the angels. To, to be fair, I think if Freddie Prince Jr. came in me, I'd be fucking miserable and all. <laughs> I'm going to write Sarah Michelle get <coughs> an apology letter after this. Like, I love Fred... You dunked on your husband. Like, I'm Freddie so Prince sorry. Jr., as a human being... Absolute salt of the earth. Lovely, lovely man. Love him to pieces. Oh my god, did I tell you I watched that shitty movie he's in? Which one? The Christmas film. No. That came out oh, a couple of years ago. Oh, the one ago. where he's like the pops, 
songwriter or something. Where he's like a single parent to his daughter. He lives with... Has it got the girl from... His abuela. His his, his wife's abuela? I don't know. Hasn't it got the girl from Beverly Hill... uh, From 90210 in it? Jessica Lounders? No, it's not. It's the girl who plays Ella and Lucifer. Okay. It is shit. Yeah. So bad. But yeah, don't get me wrong. Freddie Prince Jr., absolute salt of the earth guy. I love his podcast. I love his... Like, just him as a human being. But he is wretched in this movie. And him... Doesn't he do, like, a wrestling podcast? Yeah. He, he's he, the right for, like, WWE. He, he was a writer on SmackDown. Uh, he's, at the moment, he's getting enough funds together to start his own wrestling corporation. Which is, you know, the coolest fucking thing. Because Sarah's gone, I'm not giving you any fucking money towards that. Yeah, because he, he doesn't act anymore. He does. He did like a lot of Star Wars stuff. Like he did. He did a bunch of voices in like Star Wars Rebels and some of the animated Star Wars stuff. And he was in a couple of the Star Wars video games. But like, I couldn't tell you that. The, other than that Christmas movie, I couldn't tell you the last time he was in an actual like physical live action movie. Should we have a? He's look? just waiting for that Scooby Doo reboot. So he Scooby Doo to come back. Where is he? Um, oh my god, have you seen his picture on him? Um, he looks like Bill Velo. <laughs> Mate, it's pe- Peaky Blinders Origins over Do you know, there. The, you know the picture of Bill Velo? I'm Mate, why is he staring you? into my soul? <laughs> Freddie, stop that, you dirty boy. You stop dirty, showing off your energy. Dirty boy. Uh, the last film he did was uh, Christmas with You, and before that he did Clerks 3, apparently. Oh. He was in Punky Brewster in 2021. Uh... And then, yeah, a lot of animated stuff, mm-hmm. video game voices. Uh, yeah, he did like a couple. He's in a couple of episodes of Bones. He's in a couple of episodes of The Witch of East End. <clears throat> but yeah, he's not been in a massive amount. To but be yeah, honest. like, do you not think that is part of the problem with this movie though? Is that like none of them likable? The lead characters just aren't very engaging. Yes. Um, you would be correct. <clears throat> and, like, it feels like... It doesn't feel like... Considering Kevin Williamson wrote this and wrote Scream, this feels like a very different film to Scream. Like, mm. it feels like a bottle episode of Dawson's Creek. A little bit, yeah. It feels like one of the Dawson's Creek, like, Halloween episodes. And I think, like, weirdly, this feels like a more personal Kevin Williamson film because it's, like set in North Carolina, like, they make references to Dawson's Creek, they make references to, like, the same type of place where, like, Dawson's Creek would have been, like, set. Um, So, weirdly, it feels more like a Kevin Williamson film than what Scream does, but still a bizarre film in and of itself. Um, But, yeah, I mean, there are positives to this film. I, I like the chase sequence, the Hel- like Helen Shivers' chase sequence, which is a real final girl scene. Like they they send Buffy out on a fucking high in this movie. Her her the whole scene of her like running through the shop, getting out of the police car, like running down the alleyway, getting killed in the alley is fucking great. Like that's good shit. Yeah, you're um, not wrong. It is that is a good sequence. I will give you that. We get some SMG, some quality SMG. Uh, foot content as well, which is always nice. It's always yeah. appreciated. In fact, the police officer's death's kind of cool as well, with the where he gets the hook yeah. through the chest, that like he lowers him on the hook. That's yeah. really quite cool. Yeah, I will give them that. I guess. But like again, this is the th- this is the thing that I said to you when we were watching this. 
there are three deaths in this movie that don't mean anything. Yeah, no. And they just put them in to up the body count. Oh, yeah. And it's Without like... a shadow of a doubt. And, like, weirdly, I'm finding myself, like, rooting for these characters that, like, I shouldn't give a fuck about. I'm like, oh, Leonard from The Big Bang Theory's in this. I don't want him to die. Yeah, he did nothing wrong. He legitimately did absolutely... All he wanted to do was get his dick wet. He's just some, like, scrappy-do-ass little dickhead. (laughs) They fucking murdered him for And it's like, oh, poor... It's it's rare, I'll say this, but poor Leonard. (laughs) Um, He got in the film because him and... uh, him and Jennifer Love Hewitt knew each other in real life. They used to live in apartments opposite each other. And his <laughs> his little sister was friends with like Jennifer Love Hewitt or Jennifer Love Hewitt's little sister. So that's how he ended up being in the movie. Oh, that's kind of sweet. Which is quite cool. Um, her sister, her sister's a prick, but I don't want I don't want I don't want her sister to die. <laughs> yeah, no, like her sister's an absolute asshole. But like, yeah, and it's really quite a horrible death as well. Yeah. Like she does. I mean, she's a dick, but. Yeah, and then like the police officer gets murdered as well. Gets like absolutely murked. Yeah, and like only two of the four kids actually get like killed. Yeah, and like, and and like, do you know what? You know what's really funny as well? This movie's so low on death scenes. They give Barry two. This yeah, motherfucker. This motherfucker gets a I was fake like, out. What? And I was like, oh yeah, shit, they do, he, don't they? He gets they a fake out death. And then he gets he gets a real death. But I do like his fake out death because it's it kind of reminds me of that scene in Christine uh, where Moochie gets killed, where they're like where he's like chasing uh, where Christine chases him down the yeah. hallway. But the problem with Barry's the highway, death sorry. is is and I feel like I'm gonna give credit to Scream for this because they kind of explain it well quite away quite well in Scream. Is that where the fucks all the blood? Like man got a fucking hook. oh you mean scary movie? Yeah, sorry, I said Scream didn't I? Yeah. Like, man gets a hook in him in the balcony and there's no blood. At least in Scary Movie, they, like, have fucking Ghostface there mopping the floor. Yeah, and he's got him in a trash bag and he, like, drags the trash bag across the floor. And I'm just there, like, man, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Where's all that blood? Oh, so that cop is very bad at his job. (laughs) Yeah, but there's, like, loads of instances in this movie as well where, like, they... I'm sure the fisherman can teleport. Uh, I mean, maybe he's got Jason powers. Because cause the scene with the crabs, where she finds the crabs <laughs> the crabs in the car, it's broad fucking daylight. She goes into the house for like 10 minutes. And like this man's like somehow managed to get all of these crabs and a corpse out of her car in broad daylight without ever being seen. All I'm saying is what I feel like in that sequence, right, is he's got some like, not tarp. newspaper, like tarp underneath him. Like he gets... Basically, he puts him in the thing. He's like, he's there. He's like, got the hood open to put the boot open to put the yeah. body in. He's like, putting tarpaul all in down. Like, make sure it's all covered. We don't want any residue. Do, do, do. Put the body in. Throw the crap. Slam the door. Don't want any crabs coming back at you, right? Mm. And then when, when, when she runs off, he just like pulls up alongside her in a truck, opens the boot back up. I mean, he picks the lock. Mm. Because he's got lock picking skills as well, obviously. Oh, he just uses the hook. And he just like he's like, it's actually a key. The hook, the hook is a. Oh yeah, it's like it's like a all key. It's like an Inspector Gadget situation. It's a Swiss Army hook. And then what he does is he's got the little tarpaulin. He's got some like little the hook loops that go in the edges. And he uses the hook. He just hooks it all close. Hoists it out. Flings it over his shoulder like a weird Santa sack. Throws it 
just looks like the littlest hobo carrying a fucking corpse down the road. Oh, yeah, no, he's got his truck. I said this. Oh, he's yeah. got his truck there, throws it into the back of the truck and then drives off. He's getting crabs out of that truck for weeks afterwards. He just keeps finding them. My man gave Julie James crabs. <laughs> I do have one question for you, though. And this is like, this yeah. is before we get into like the adaptation side of it and all the other, other various pieces. Mm-hmm. I do have one like legitimate question for you. Yes. And it never gets explained in the movie. And it's the one gripe I have with this movie. So assuming, assuming that the man that they do hit with the car mm-hmm. is Ben Willis, right? Mm-hmm. They hit him full force with a car mm-hmm. and they throw him under the water. Mm-hmm. And he sinks to the bottom of that lake or that ocean or whatever the fuck it is, wherever they are. I have no idea. So, the and, cape, I guess. And, and they don't explain how long he's been under there for, which is my first gripe. Because at, at some point, your brain is starved of oxygen. And like mm-hmm. he was in no shape to have like got himself out of that. So who found him or how did he get out of the water is my mm-hmm. first. And like, at that point, you would be... I would probably assume maybe partially brain damaged or you would have some kind of like some you wouldn't be the same like he wouldn't be up walking around a year later like I mean I don't know he cuz he's he's eyes open so he's still awake when like yeah um Barry, Barry swims off yeah so and then they all peg it pretty He, he could have got out like that. 10 minutes later. Yeah, he could have literally just swum to yeah. the He's got like a bit... Do you know Robin Hood in the animated Robin Hood when he's got the little ring? Yeah. But it's <laughs> he's like, doing that. He's like, wait, go. But it's like, what is the passage of time for how long the man's been under the water? And like, how how did he... And my second my second question... I'm assuming he got himself out pretty quickly yeah. afterwards. Because like, he's, he's, he's like cognizant. And my second question is... The crime was never reported to the police. Mm-hmm. He gets hit head on at, at the very best on a night when he can only see one person hanging outside of that car. He's got a concussion at best. Mm-hmm. How in the ever loving fuck does he know who all of these kids are by name, where they live? I'm assuming like, he remembers one of them and then it's like in a bar one night. And he's like, do you remember that kid? Football player, blonde hair, bit of a dick. Yeah, but you know what I mean? And they're like, all like, oh, yeah, no, we know him, Barry. And he's like, yeah, that's his name. He's like, right, what was his mates called? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Because the thing is, he, we we have no prior... And also I feel like it's quite a small... It gives the uh, like idea that it's like quite a small mm. town. So I do feel like everyone kind of knows each other. Yeah. But I'm just kind of like, everything that he goes through on that day for a crime that's never reported... When he never sees any of, like... I mean, he briefly sees Helen when he, like, does the jump scare before he goes in the water. Yeah, and he sees, he sees Barry when he pulls the yeah, crown out of Yeah, under it. the water. But, yeah. like, you have no... Like, you have no sense of, like, how alert he is or how, like, aware of who that is in front of him. I mean, the thing is, I feel like it'd be... In a small town in America, I feel like it'd be very <coughs> easy to figure out. Yeah. Because I feel like a Sarah Michelle Gellar's face is fucking everywhere. She's the fucking crab queen or whatever. <laughs> She wants to be where the people yeah, are. Yeah, she's Miss Baltimore Crabs. Yeah, but you know um, what I mean? Like, it's But you can understand what I'm saying, though, can't you? It just seems, like, very convenient yeah, that he seems also, to know who like, everybody is. In my mind, I'm like, you've got away with murder. Like, I'd just be like, oh, I'm just going to let them think that they killed... Because they don't know it's him. Yeah. Although I suppose he doesn't know that they don't know it's <coughs> him, and then he might think that they know that he killed David. Yeah. David? Yeah. The guy who lived next door? Yeah. And that's, like, my point. Is like, it, 
And again, like the motivation's very unclear. It's like, is he killing them because he thinks that they tried to kill him? Or is he killing them because he thinks that they know that he might have killed David? Well, that's the thing. Is I think it's a bit of 50-50. And also, that would account for Max's death. Yeah. Because if he sees Barry confront Max about the letter, he might think that Max knows that they were involved in the hit and run and then he knows that he'd yeah. killed David. Yeah. It gets very convoluted. Very but then, and same with her sister yeah, as well. Yeah, because she's like, oh, she could have told... That. Could have told and again, sister. with the police officer, yeah. Like, now like that you've said that... He like, accounting for some yeah, of the yeah, other yeah, deaths. Yeah, yeah. So he's, like, trying to cover up for his crime by he thinking, ne- oh, shit, they think that they've killed me, but they also know that I killed David. So, like, yeah. if I kill them, they can't tell the police and I'll continue Because he never over. actually says, like, why he's doing it. She says, oh, like, it was you... And he's like, oh, I see that you've been doing your homework. Also, where the fuck is man getting his photos developed? The night of the boat incident is the same day that the fucking parade has happened. And he's already he got... He one hour photo. He's already got a picture printed out of Helen at the fucking parade from earlier that one afternoon on his wall. Mm. In that town. That's what he's there for. Man's got his own fucking dark room on his boat. Is it a dark room they're yeah, called? Dark like, He's like, just developing photos. Yeah. He's got his slicker and his, like, his photos all hung up on the line together. <laughs> but, like, it's... Yeah, like, he never actually says... All he says to her is, oh, if you if you think that you've killed someone, you better make sure that they've stayed dead. So, again, like, I've never actually... Until, like, because I haven't seen this movie for a very long time. Like, I never really considered, like, his motivation might be that he's like, oh, shit, they're on to me. Like, I'm going to fucking, like, bump them off because they know that I... They they also know what I did last summer. Yeah. And then the movie takes on like a whole different And he knows like, what David did last yeah. summer. It's like it's a Everybody knows everybody what everybody knows did what last everybody summer. Everybody did last summer, guys. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, it's um what do you think of the revelation of who it is? Like Oh, we've we've discussed this already. I think it's fucking stupid. Yeah, but like it's so left field and out of nowhere and it makes no fucking sense. See, I personally, as I said at the beginning, what would have been more interesting is Julie's the only one who seems to have any like, major guilt mm. over the fact that it happened is if Julie fucking was the one killing them all off. Yeah. That would have been interesting. All right, I'm going to ask you, what do you think of the whole fucking Ray as a red herring thing? It's so fucking dumb. Like, not a single fucking person watching this movie thinks that Freddie Prince Jr. is out there killing people. And they try to ram the point home too many fucking times. They're like, oh, he's a fisherman. Oh, he's got one of the jackets. Oh, he's like, yay tall. Oh, his boat's named after the guy who went to see the sister of the dead guy. Yeah, they really they really pile it on, don't they? Yeah. It's a terrible red herring as well. Yeah, like, uh, if, they were, if they tried to make me think it was Barry... I'd be all right. Yeah, Barry's a fucking lunatic. Barry is a fucking lunatic. <laughs> yeah, that's way more believable. I'm like, yeah, no fucking... Okay, yeah. Barry makes sense. I could get on board with that. And they show you a scene, a really superfluous scene of him doing kickboxing, like, earlier but in the movie. Which is what I find really interesting. So was David a fisherman? Yeah, because he's got right, the, like, dungarees okay. and stuff on That's the what I was wondering, because I was like, when they go to his sister's house in Deegan house, she's got the, the slicker, slicker in there, yeah, and yeah. I was like... I'm like, who are you fooling? I was like, Anne Hesh is not out there murdering people. She's about she's about five foot tall and she weighs like eighty pounds. Like, come on. Like, but it is really funny that they put the slicker in there because but I, I think that's what they you're supposed to think, because you're supposed to think that like it's, it's someone related to David. Yeah. 
Um, so that's why she says, oh, do you live with, like, other people in case it's, like, another family member or, or someone like yeah. that? Yeah. But it's so... Like, but I tell you what, I tell you, I tell you how I tell you how this movie gets even crazier. Like, this story gets even crazier. So this movie spawned two sequels. Yes. Uh, one of which went to cinemas, one of which went straight to DVD. Yes. And there's also a television adaptation... Which isn't very good. I watched one episode of it and gave up on it and then Amazon cancelled it after a season. Excellent. But in the sequel, it's it's Julie Ray's back doing Ray stuff. Obviously. Uh Mackay Pfeiffer's in it, Jeffrey Combs is in it, Brandy's in it, Julie uh Jennifer Esposito's in it, and uh Jack Black's in it. So they all go to the fucking Bahamas, mm-hmm. right? And there's a guy who, like, fancies Julie. And spoilers if you haven't seen the second movie, but I have to tell you this because it's so fucking Oh, funny. I think I know exactly what you're going to tell me. So the guy who fancies her is called Will Benson. He's Ben's son. Yeah, and there's a fucking revelation at a gravestone. So they're at, like, at the end of this movie, the whole third act of this movie takes place. There's, like, plot of land on this fucking island. And they've dug a grave for her. And the fisherman is back, and it's Ben miraculously this motherfucker is back and they're like literally Will fucking monologues he's like and he literally I shit you not this is the funniest monologue he's like yeah Julie like because he goes because the fisherman turns up behind her and he's like hey dad and she's like dad and he's like yeah Julie Will Benson Ben's son and he literally spells it out to her and it's the funniest fucking shit And she does the whole, what are you waiting for thing again in, in the second one. And then in the third one, he's a fucking zombie. Like he's an act. Because uh, I've not seen the third one. Because the third one's directed by the guy who made the Slender Man movie. But like it goes like full fucking. I wouldn't watch another one of these anyway. <coughs> but Jesus fucking Christ. It goes, I've got all three of them because I bought the trilogy box set. Because I kind of like the first two as like shit, like slasher movies. Um, but yeah. And, and then like the TV series is a completely different thing. It's like a completely different set of kids. It's like this story, but like for the TikTok generation. Yeah. Um, but like, did you did you read anything up about this movie before we watched it? Because no. Lois Duncan, who released the book in 1973, she actually objected to this movie being made because her daughter was murdered by someone in 1989 and she turned around and said the thought of like watching teenagers be murdered was not something that she was like happy to sign off well, on. Well, the thing is as well is the the book is completely fucking different. Yeah, I remember you saying like, and this is the thing. I think a lot of people were like, "Well, your book is very close to a slasher book," but no one actually dies in the book because the main the four characters are the same, right? It's Ray, Barry. Julie uh, and Helen, right? Hang on. I've got to remember now. I know what you did last sis now. Summer. I know what you did last summer. Please, Lord, tell Book. me there's no other. So, hang on. It's there. So, do, 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 plot. Uh, so, yeah, Julie, James, Ray, Barry and Helen. Yeah. Characters the same. They are coming home from a party and they accidentally kill a young boy named David Gregg. So it's still David. Big D. Big D. Uh, they 
call an ambulance anonymously. Yeah. And basically then fucking drive off, making a pact never to say anything about mm-hmm. it. So kind of all same-ish at this point. Now, after that, it is kind of a little bit different because I don't know if anyone... I think people do die in it. I've got to remember. It's been so... I read I read it all up because I was really intrigued. So David dies in the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, Barry gets hit by a car. Oh, no, sorry. Barry gets, Barry gets shot. Yeah. In the stomach and becomes paralysed. Um, something happens to Ray. But like, so basically, it's a very different book. And basically, in the end, it turns out that it's like David's older brother, who was living across from Helen, but was also the love interest of Julie. Yeah. Um, and he was playing two different people. Basically, uh, one is Bud, and the other one's Beauregard. Beauregard. Oh, yeah. Well. Um, and like that's kind of how it all plays out and it gets revealed that it's the same guy and he's all like, <clears throat> yeah, I'm the same person, I'm actually David's older brother, you killed my brother, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And he kind of was, it was basically an idea that um, Lois Duncan came up with because she read a story about two women dating the same man yeah. and not well, not realising until they started talking about it quite in depth and showing each other pictures and they were like, hang on a second, that's my boyfriend. And she was like, I wonder if like that would work in like kind of a, like a crime a mystery. novel, mystery novel kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I don't think anyone dies in mm. the book. I've never read it, so I'm only going off like the plot synopsis for it. Um, but yeah, like there's no fishermen. Yeah. Uh, there's no like fucking masked killer running around murdering random people. It's all a bit odd, and like David is actually the victim of the crime. Um, but like, yeah, I feel like it is, it's an, it's an adaptation in name alone. I feel like yeah. this. they change so much of it that it is a very much removed from the source material quite a lot. So I can kind of get a, why she'd be pissed off either way Yeah, because it isn't the book she wrote. And B, I feel like with the death of her daughter, I don't think I'd want it being turned into a film, especially not a slasher movie. Mm. After something like that happened. Yeah. Dear Dominic Noble, please do an episode on Lost of that type. If you could, that'd be great. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> it's the same as Valentine, though, isn't it? Valentine's based on a book by Tom Savage, but it's not actually anything like the film. Yeah, pretty much. It's another thing where they bought the rights to the book and then they just went, we'll take the name, we'll take a vague premise and we'll turn it into a fucking slasher movie. Yeah, so she basically had said in an interview in 2002 that she was appalled that her story had been turned into a slasher film. Fair. Yeah, I didn't know that about her daughter, though. Yeah, it was only when I was doing research about the film, because I was trying to find out some like little bits of information about it, and I found that out. Because the book is like a, a young adult book. Like it's, and yeah. she also wrote Hotel for Dogs. Oh, sick. Sick. The one that got turned into the movie of Emma Robertson. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So her daughter um, was killed in 1989 in an unsolved murder. Yeah, which is sad. That's as fuck. really, really fucking sad. <clears throat> but when you look at this movie, um, and you look at like I, I don't think history has been kind to this movie. Um, I, 
don't think that this is the strongest representation of Kevin Williams's, Williamson's work. Um, and I think it's one of those movies, like a lot of people I know love this movie. And I think it came out at the right time when people were on that like slasher resurgence hype. And it's it's kind of like that thing of like, this and Scream kind of set that template of like, let's get a young hip cast, let's get a cool soundtrack, let's get like some actors that are like familiar from like TV or whatever, rinse, repeat. But I think of all the movies that came out around that time, like this is the one for me that I revisit the most because I just don't think it holds an interest level in the way that like some of the others do. Yeah. Like, you know, whether you like Urban Legend or not, you know, Urban Legend at least has an interesting premise. At least has, like, interesting characters. Yeah. You know, it has that really fucking memorable opening sequence. Um, Whereas this, I just don't feel like there's anything that would make me want to go back to it. However, the amount of times I've mentioned Urban Legend, and I've mentioned uh, Valentine on this, Jamie Blanks, the director of Urban Legend, got the Urban Legend job because of this movie... So he heard that this movie was being made and he actually made, he were, in Australia, he made a trailer with his friends for this movie as a proof of concept. But he was a week late in submitting it for when they hired for the job. So he lost out on the job. But, oh. but Neil H. Moretz, Moritz, who produced this and ironically enough produces the fucking Fast and Furious movies, um, actually said, you know, we actually like you for this other film that's coming up. And that's how he got the Urban Legend job and then he got the Valentine job after that as well. Yeah. Uh, and if you watch the branching documentary on the Urban Legend Blu-rays, they actually show some of the footage of his trailer. Yeah. I think I think one of my main issues with this film and going back to like it being an adapt- adaptation and like the adaptation of the source material is the source material itself is kind of a... What's the word I'm looking for? Like a uh, Canterbury Tale style thing. Yeah, like, yeah. It's got a message. That message is... You, like there are consequences for your actions and you are responsible for what you do. Yeah. And what happens after. Whereas I feel like because of the tone of this film and how it ends, it's kind of that message is very much lost yeah. because it just becomes like a, oh, well, there's a killer now, so we all have to escape that. What yeah. we did doesn't matter. And it's like, it misses the whole original point of the novel of like, you are responsible for the actions that you commit. Yeah. Karma is a problem. Karma is a a man with a hook. (laughs) (laughs) Karma is a man pretending to date you while also hanging out with your your best friend. Do you think a straight adaptation of the book would have been a better film, though? I think as a mystery, yes. I think as a mystery, yes. I would have loved to have seen how they would have done it without revealing that the guy living across the hall and the boyfriend were the same person. Mm Mm-hmm. Because I think that it would have been far more fucking interesting and it would have been far more interesting to watch and shoot because you would have had this main premise that in the book you can get away without revealing because you can't see the characters. Yeah. Whereas in the film, you physically can look at them. So yeah. it would have been quite interesting to see them adapt that and like have it so like he's always just out of shot or it's the back of his head or he's on a phone. Like You never really see the boyfriend or the man across the hall. Mm-hmm. And I think it would have... I, personally, I think the book sounds far more interesting than the film is. Yeah, definitely. So, interestingly enough, back in 2014, they announced that they were going to remake this movie. 
Mike Flanagan was attached oh. to do an adaptation of this film. He wasn't going to use The Fisherman, and he wasn't going to use the other central premise. He was going to do his own take on the material. He worked on it for a couple of years, and then the remake fell apart. But I must admit, I am super fucking intrigued as to what a Mike Flanagan... And there's not a huge amount of information on the internet about it. Because at that time, Mike Flanagan was coming off of the back of Oculus. And it was... No, or Ouija or Oculus? Oculus. He'd just done Oculus. It was before he did Ouija Origin of Evil. So he hadn't really done a lot up until that point. Uh, he'd done Before I Wake and he'd done another movie. And I can't remember what the name of the other movie is. But like he hadn't really done a lot up until that point. Um, but he was like working on his own version of like what an I know what you did last summer like type of film would have been, and like knowing the filmmaker in the last ten years that Mike Flanagan's gone on to become, mm. I can't help but think how fucking good like Mike Flanagan's I know what you did last summer would have been. Like I just think that that dude is fucking unstoppable, and I think he could have like really done something like super interesting. And like the thing is as well, like Mike Flanagan is really good at like slow burn stuff and like drawing mystery like i will talk about this until the day i fucking die but midnight mass is one of the greatest pieces of horror media i've ever seen yeah and i think the way that he builds the mystery in midnight mass if you apply that slow burn sense of dread sense of like small community and what he does in that act to like and i know what you did last summer like that movie would have been fucking huge and it could have been so good and I'm really gutted that it fell apart. Yeah. Um, and then, but they did announce last year, I think it was. Or was it last year or this year? It's within the last, again, within the last like seven or eight months, they've announced that they are doing a legacy sequel. Mm. Uh, Jennifer Love Hewitt is apparently on board. Mm. Freddie Prince Jr. said in an interview that he hasn't been approached yet, but he would be open to the idea if he saw a script. And they are looking at doing a legacy sequel of like 30 years later, like yeah. where Julie James is now, like what Julie James is doing. like. And I think I think the idea was that they were going to do like, I don't want to say that they were going to do the Halloween 2018 thing, but I think they were going to have her, I think it was going to be more like a scream situation where she was like older and maybe it was like her and Ray's daughter or son and like that kid's group of friends. And it was more like, the sins of the parents are now grafted onto, like, yeah. the kids' kind of situation. I do want to just correct something I said earlier, by the way. Uh, the the characters in the in the, the book, the, the, the male who is her, the brother, is called Bud or Collingsworth. Collingsworth? What a fucking apparently name, Apparently David bro. couldn't pronounce it, so he called him Bud when he was a kid. <coughs> oh, what a fucking uh, also, name. Also, Julian Ray confessed to the murder at the end of the book. Oh, shit. Yeah, mm. they certainly don't at the end of the film. And also, when I said it was they showed a news article, no. She overheard a conversation between her daughter and one of her friends where her daughter, Kerry, was telling her friend about a boy who was interested in her and her friend was considering what to wear on an upcoming date and eventually they realised they were actually talking about the same boy. Ah. And then it says here, uh, Duncan began to wonder what would happen if the boy had deliberately implanted himself in the lives of two girls he knew were friends and built up different personality to present to each of them. Fucking hell. Duncan later read a news story about the hit and run in the newspaper, which led her to incorporate this into the novel. Holy shit. Yeah. Which I think then when you find out about her being, them creating this film as it is, when it was her daughter who sparked the idea in the first place, and then what the film went on to yeah, become it's, about, it's kind of it kind of becomes very it, fucking disrespectful. It's very gross. Yeah. Um, 
I know we've talked a lot about this movie and we've talked about various different elements of this movie. Uh, is there anything about this movie that you actually did like? I don't think there is. Like, honestly, I really... None of the characters are particular. I like Helen. Yeah. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is great in this. Her death sequence is amazing. Uh, and they pull one of the worst things that you can ever do to a woman they in this movie. They cut off all her hair. It's so sad. Horrific. I mean, not for me, I cut all my hair off regularly, but I know women do get... Like, it's a, it's a big thing with women is their hair. Mm-hmm. Um, but overall, I just... I don't think it's... I don't... And I feel I'm really sorry to say this. I don't think it's a very well written film. I don't think it's particularly well shot and I don't think it's very well acted. Yeah, like it's wild to me that like obviously everything that we know about Kevin Williamson and how he was a struggling writer before he sold the Scream script. Like obviously this is one of the scripts that he wrote pre-Scream. And I'm not being funny, like everybody who's a long-term listener of the podcast knows how much I love Kevin Williamson. I love his work. His work raised me. And I'm just waiting for the day that his husband leaves him. So I'm in with a shot. But like all I'm saying is like you can kind of see why before Scream was a hit, he was struggling to get work Mm. because you it like when I say that this feels like a Kevin Williamson film. I'm looking at it through the lens of someone who grew up loving Dawson's Creek. I was like, you can see the Dawson's Creek writer in this because it feels like Dawson's Creek Mm -hmm. to me. But there's no trace in this film of the guy who wrote Scream. Like, Scream, we always talk about Scream, and I know people think that Scream is overhyped and overrated and people have a myriad of different opinions on that movie. But you cannot deny at the time when that movie came out, it was a fucking game changer. Mm-hmm. And every character in Scream feels like a real person. Like yeah. everybody knows a Billy. Everybody knows a Randy. Everybody knows a Sydney. Everybody knows a Dewey. Like those characters are people that you grew up with, that you know. Like every. I don't know, who would I be in the Scream group? Because I know like, we always talk about this. You are definitely the Randy. Who would I be? I don't know, man. I don't think I match any of them, really, do I? No, not really. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. I think you'd just be Brenda from fucking Scary Movie. (laughs) (laughs) I'm fine with that, actually. Because you are the person who brings our own food into the cinema and then talks through the movie. (laughs) I don't know. I do have a habit. But at least I whisper. Yeah, but like... That is you. (laughs) um, But yeah, like, whereas in this movie, like, I said to you when we were watching it, the scene where they hit him and they're having the discussion afterwards, everybody is overacting to fuck in that scene. Mm -hmm. That it actually feels... Like, you can put the scene of them hitting him and then the scene of it from Scary Movie side by side, and you wouldn't be able to tell which, which one's parodying the other one. Yeah, I think as well the problem with this film for me is, like, with most... we've You just hit on the nose of the head, everyone knows someone like that. With most slasher films, especially teen slashers, you can normally pick out people who you know... Or who you relate to. Yeah, and you're like, yeah. oh, yeah, like, I know somebody who's exactly like that. There is nobody in this film that I look at them and go, oh, you know, I have a friend who is exactly like that. Mm-hmm. 
none of them are like people that I can relate to or like feel like they are like somebody that would exist in my life. I think the closest comes is Fer Freddie Prince Jr. character. And that's purely because I grew up in like a small mining town. And I know people like him who got trapped there and never left. Yeah. And like, we're just like, this is what my dad did. This is what my granddad did. Like, I'm doing the same thing they did. Yeah. But I don't know anyone really who are any of the characters in this film. Yeah, and I guess to a degree as well, Max. Because Max is like... Max and Ray are very similar characters. Yeah. And I think that's why Max hates Ray so much. Because he's like, I was Julie's like friend as a kid. And like we're basically the same guy. Like, why doesn't she want to lick my balls instead? Like, essentially is like yeah. what he's what he's and he but he's just a bit more of like an incel dickhead about it. Yeah. Whereas like I think I think to a degree, like everybody Yeah, like none of the characters feel like real people in this. No. And that's part of the problem. And and there's so many scenes in this where, like, they make choices that people in real life wouldn't make. Like, because, to be honest, this movie is... This movie's a little bit more grounded than Scream. I guess Scream is, like, a real-world story and so is, like, urban legend. They're, like, real people. Like, none of it's supernatural. But at the same time, like, this feels like... Like, I, I could hear this story on the news. Like, this story could happen ten minutes down the road from us. Mm. And, like you would be living in this scenario. Um, which I think when you've got people overacting and making the choices that they make in this movie, you're like, nobody would nobody would do that. Like nobody would like like the scene where fucking like Julie goes to Missy's house with the yearbook and she's like, oh yeah, can you help me find this person? You wouldn't if you were trying not to arouse suspicion about fucking mur potentially murdering her brother, you wouldn't then go to her house and be like Oh yeah, man. I'm that really sus person that was here like the other day. Can you help me just pick out this person from a yearbook? Because I know for a fact that your brother like didn't kill himself or like was murdered. And I'm like, how do you have like like? And even when you're watching the movie and you're watching her have that conversation, you're like, who the fuck would do this? Like, you have the internet. Like, <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense because yeah. a real person in that scenario wouldn't do that. No. And, like, it just, for me, it's just, like, there's too many sequences of that in this movie where, like, they do things that, like, wouldn't... And, like, when when fucking um, Barry, like, potentially exposes himself to Max, when he's like, oh, you know what we did that summer? And it's like, Max doesn't know shit. As far as Max is concerned, you were throwing up. Like, you've then implanted an idea in this guy's head who already fucking hates you guys. Yeah. To then possibly have ammunition to take you all down. Yeah. Like, none of it makes any fucking sense. It does not. Plot holes are big enough that you could fucking commit vehicular manslaughter through. Sure. But I do want to end on the final notes. And as I brought up the legacy sequel, doesn't need one, right? No. Doesn't need, doesn't no. need it. Like, no one... like. No one is clamouring for a, I know what you did three years ago. I know what you ago. did 30 years ago. <laughs> I know what you did on July 4th. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, It's one of those things when I read that it was getting a legacy sequel in the wake of like Scream being so successful and like Halloween Doesn't and stuff. It. I'm just like, Halloween was successful because like Halloween and Scream were successful because they had really good stories to tell and they are like well like known successful franchises this was not a successful mm -hmm. franchise 
And therefore, like, I don't hear people going, yeah, man, let's bring fucking Jennifer Love Hewitt back to fight the fisherman one more time. Well, like, right. Do you want to do your final thoughts, babe? Yeah. You do yours, because I've just ranted for like 10 minutes. Uh, I don't think it's a good film. There's very few defensive things I can say about this film. I think Sarah Michelle Gellar is good in it, and that's about it. She's good in everything. But she's though. good in everything. I don't think Ryan Felipe is very good in this, which is surprising because I do love him in um, Cruel Intentions. Yeah. He's very good in that. Not great in this. Um, I think I'd probably give it like a one. Mm. And I think even that seems too many points. Yeah. I Can I give it a zero? I, I feel like I've watched worse films and didn't give them a zero, so I'll give it a one. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I'm going to give it a two and a half. Okay. Out of five. Because, like, this movie does hold a lot of nostalgia for me. Mm-hmm. And it is one of those movies that I did grow up with. But I feel like watching it now, like, 26 years later, I'm just, like, horror's changed so much. And, like, even going back and watching a movie like Scream 2, which came out in the same year, Scream 2 is leagues ahead of this. Yes. Like, in every conceivable way. Mm-hmm. And I just think that this is one of those franchises that, like didn't have a very memorable first movie and I don't know how it got two other movies but again much like yourself Sarah Michelle Gellar is a shining light in a film that, and her fucking chase sequence is one of the all-time greatest chase sequences in slasher film history mm-hmm. but yeah I don't think the movie's aged very well I don't think it's a particularly interesting film and I think especially for someone like you scary movie has fucking ruined this movie yeah, forever um, so yeah, that's our thoughts on I Know What You Did Last Summer. Have you guys seen it? Have you seen any of the sequels? Did you watch a TV series? Are you interested in a legacy sequel? Let us know. Find us on social media. S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter X. Um, uh, on Sam Aaron Horror Fan, all lowercase, all one word on Tumblr X and Instagram X. Um, and join us next month. And join us next Can month. Can we do next month? Yes. Next month in August we are doing Women in Horror. Which I'm quite excited about. So starting on the 4th of August, we have our 5 by 5 on influential women in horror. Which is this Friday, y'all. This Friday. On the 7th, we are doing The Love Witch. <coughs> Just Love Witch. There's no the there. I don't know why I said that. Because she is the Love Witch. She's the Love Witch. On the 14th, we are doing Near Dark. On the 18th, we are doing our Crossing the Stream episode on... That's not Summer correct. Summer of 84. Summer of 84. Thank you. On the 24th, first we are doing St Maud, and then on the 28th, all hopes for us, because we are trying to get a copy of it, we are doing XX. We are going to rent that show off Amazon Prime. We're going to rent it. Yeah, the next three months are like, actually, like, technically the next four months are all bangers. Because September, I'm looking at September's one here, is all bangers. October's one is all bangers, because it's UH is the theme for that month. I don't want to say four words. But if you look at... There is a Funko Pop here. If you look at the Funko Pop next to Velma, we are doing all the movies that go with that guy. So see Velma on the top shelf there. See next to her on the left. Oh, yes, we are. And then November... I'll look at the list later, though, because I'm not going to know what you're talking about. So the rest of the year... on the board. The rest of the year is all fucking bangers, mate. You need to update that board. Yeah, I'm going to update it at some point this weekend. So, yeah, thank you once again, guys, for sticking with us. Thank you for your continued support. July's been a really big month for us. We've had some some real fun going back and covering some of these movies from, like, my childhood and just watching Lee piss all over them. It's always fun when I get to pick movies for my month. Um... But yeah, next month's going to be fucking amazing. I'm really looking to looking forward to diving into some 
some great films featuring very prominent female-led characters and female writers and directors. I'm very, very, very much looking forward to that. So, yeah, thank you once again, guys. As always, stay spooky, stay safe. Take care. Goodbye. Bye.